0: Welcome to Dollars and Cents, Creating Your Fulfilled Life with Nicole Romito from Private Vista. In this podcast, we draw from years of experience as well as guest specialists to help you create the life you imagine. Join us in this journey as we enlighten and empower you to align your lifestyle to help you achieve your goals with a clear picture of your future. Now, let's get to the show
1: hello and welcome to dollars and cents with your host nicole romito nicole it's so good to be back with you how are you
2: i'm doing fantastic today eric how are you
1: i am hungry we've been talking before the podcast started about deep dish pizza again this seems to be a theme yeah so i'm hungry and and i'd like to listen to you and your guests talk while i eat is that okay
2: absolutely just (laughs) please mute yourself
1: (laughs) okay no (laughs) chewing on the podcast is that what you're chewing
2: on the podcast
1: fantastic who do you have as a guest today
2: Well, I'm super excited for my guest today. I've got one of my wonderful colleagues, Colleen Dwyer, with me, and we are going to talk about all things 529 plans.
1: Oh, that's a big topic. That's huge. It's
2: It's a really big topic, and uh, so we're going to do our best to do a high level to highlight some of the key things you should think about, understanding that a further, deeper dive or conversation will most likely be needed.
1: Fantastic. I'm here to learn with the audience. Thank you so much for coming on the show, Colleen.
2: Absolutely. Thanks for having me, Nicole. Great. Well, before we dive into the uh, fun-filled topic of 529s, Colleen, will you please share with our listeners a little bit about your professional background? Absolutely. Yeah. So
3: I joined Private Vista about five years ago as an advisor. Before working with Private Vista and uh, working as an advisor, I, I served as a consultant at Aon in the health and benefits space I graduated from Notre Dame actually was a pre-med major which is uh, a, you know a little what? bit of a diverse background for I didn't know that for about financial you know, advisors so. but so I have a great appreciation for all of the doctors out there and um, I live in Lincoln Park was married about a year ago and you know love what I do so excited to talk specifically about 529s today
2: Well, that's great. And certainly your foray into pre-med certainly still lends itself because I know we always say everyone should get their annual financial checkup. So exactly. Exactly. Maybe you could also tell me why my arm hurts when I bend it (laughs) so much. So all right. Well, with that again, thanks for joining us. Why don't we go ahead and start with maybe an overview of what a 529 or some people call it a 529 plan is.
3: Yeah, that's a great place to start. I think um, one of the troubles of what we do is that a 529 is kind of everyday talk, but obviously we want to make sure that our listeners have a pretty basic understanding of of what we're talking about. And really a 529 is um, a type of investment account that's designed specifically for education funding. So some of the structures and tax benefits allow parents or grandparents or friends to help save for traditionally it was college education it's become a little bit of a broader tool for you know even pre college expenses and trade schools and things like that which we'll talk about but the idea is you can put money into this account it's it's an investment account like i said so as the money grows the tax benefit is that it grows tax free as long as it's used for Qualified education purposes. So, college tuition, room and board, books, study abroad expenses, you name it. Most things that you would associate with college are qualified. And like I said, it can also be used for trade school, things of that nature. So, you know, it's a great tool. It's especially effective when you can start saving early. So, that tax free growth, obviously, the longer you have. Savings growing, you know, that compounding um, effect is really powerful. And so when clients come to us and, and one of their goals would be to help support kids or grandkids with education, they often ask, you know, what is the right tool to help accomplish this goal? And most often, the 529 is the simple solution for that
2: specific goal. So a couple of follow-up questions. That was a great overview. Thank you. You mentioned that the earnings or growth are tax-deferred. Is there any tax break for the money you deposit or contribute to the account?
3: Yeah, great question. So I was talking about once the money's in the account, the tax benefits, but there is also, depending on the state that you live in, a potential income tax break when you make Mm. contributions. A lot of our clients are based in Illinois, so I'll give that as an example. Great. In Illinois, each person, you know, so if you're a single parent or a grandparent, or if you're a married couple, each person can contribute $10,000 that's deductible off of your Illinois income. So for a single person, $10,000, a married couple, $20,000 in any given tax year. And like I said, it's deductible off of Illinois income. So it's not a federal tax break, but it is an Illinois state tax deduction. Like I mentioned, uh, 529 is one of the interesting things about them that we won't get into really on this call is that there are differences across states in terms of the plan options, the tax deductions that I just mentioned. So that's when it's important. You know, when we sit down with clients, we know where they live or, you know, you would talk with an advisor about what makes sense. Specifically for your state, just because there are some complexities around that piece of things.
2: So, question I know we have clients who um, live all over the nation. And, you know, if you're maybe you just had a baby or your child's young and you really have no idea where they're going to go. So, you just mentioned there's a lot, every state has their own plan. Does it matter, like, where? I live, if I'm the parent, what where the college is that my child will attend, like, does that matter when you're doing the planning or does that, if I live, you know, like you said, we're in Illinois, can I, and I do the Illinois plan, could the child then, do they have to go to school in Illinois?
3: Yeah, good question. I think you bring up two different points. So the first is, you know, if you live in Illinois, do you need to ha- open a 529 account with the Illinois 529 plan? The answer to that is no. You're It's flexible okay. where you can open 529 plans, but you obviously want to be strategic in terms of maximizing tax deductions. So in order to get the Illinois tax deduction, you need to be using an Illinois plan, for example.
2: Okay. That makes sense.
3: To answer your second question, which is a good one, and I think something people often have questions about, because there, there is a financial tool out there for state-specific college funding. So- the 529, though, is not that tool. So a 529 is very flexible in terms of where the money can be used for college expenses or, or education. So even if you use an Illinois 529 plan, that does not lock you into re- you know, sending your kids to Northern Illinois or U of I.
2: Okay, great. So, just to use you as an example, if your parents had opened a 529 in Illinois, since you're from here, we know you went to Notre Dame, they could still use their Illinois funds to pay for your Notre Dame education. Exactly. Costs. exactly. Okay, perfect. Yeah. Thanks for clarifying. Sure. And then I do want to just close the loop. That you shared on the Illinois tax benefits at the federal level, you're contributing after tax dollars. Then when you're investing them, they're growing tax deferred. As long as they're taken, um, the withdrawal is for a qualified education expense, then everything comes out income tax free at the federal level.
3: Yeah, that's right? exactly right. Okay. So it's a tax free growth of investments so long as it's used for a qualified expense. Okay. I will, you know, this, this is the other question that comes up a lot, right. Is well, one, what if I don't use the money in the account or what if my kids get a, you know, what if they're a D one football star and you know, they, they don't need the money because they got a full ride. So while we're encouraging of all of our, you know, uh clients kids We're to reach of for their everyone's dreams everyone's child exactly. genius or
2: star athlete Exactly. Right?
3: <laughs> so it's possible if it's still an important goal this is something we'll talk about with the clients right it's weighing the the possibilities and the probabilities so you know if if there's a chance this could happen but you still want the ability to pay for college if they somehow don't get the full ride uh athletic scholarship the the rules around the 529 also do accommodate for things like scholarships. So you can, you know, let's give an example of your kid gets a scholarship to USC to play football. The tuition as a normal student would be $50,000 a year, but obviously they're getting that free and clear as a, a student athlete. And so you have the ability to withdraw up to the amount of the scholarship out of the account free of penalties you you do still owe income on the the growth
2: on any earnings on or any gains earnings, okay so
3: you know what? if you put 30,000 in as an investment it grew to 50,000 you would get the money you know the 50,000 out that your your child was awarded in scholarships but the 20,000 would be considered income to you in that year that you take the amount out so oh. s- still still a good you know you're still, you still got the growth. You just had to pay a little bit of taxes on it, which if you think about it would be, you know, somewhere similar to what maybe you would have owed if you had just a traditional investment like that.
2: Yeah. That's a great point. What about if following with your example, the, um, the star future USC star football player has a younger sibling. So there's future, there's additional brothers or sisters. Yeah. What options would the family have then?
3: Great question. So the way that an account a 529 account is structured, is that let's just say I'm a parent, I'm the owner of the account, and the account has a beneficiary designation. So you might have you know, your son, Johnny, is your beneficiary of the account that you fund, but you do have a, a second child. So if the first child ends up not using all of their funds, gets a scholarship, whatever, you could come up with a lot of different scenarios here. You can always change the beneficiary to another child um, you can actually even change it to yourself. So, Ooh. you know, if if you decide to go back could to I school... I go to golf
2: school, maybe? <laughs> <laughs> You've We'd seen to, my swing. Yeah,
3: right. <laughs> you know, we could spend a lot of time talking about the flexibilities of 529 plans. You can, you know, we brought up the kind of multi-generation planning that we do. So if you have children that don't use it, we often have clients who actually will change the beneficiary designation to their grandchildren. And then the only thing that you might change if you do that is also the investment strategy right now that you're planning for a much younger generation. So these are again the areas that get a little uh you you know you can be strategic and you just need to think about what your fi- family dynamic is and again, the possibilities and probabilities around the best way to use the accounts.
2: Absolutely. And I I know one thing we often talk about is, you know, the 529 plan is actually one of the few things that Congress got right because there's really nice tax benefits and a lot of flexibility so it is a tool that really should be at least considered and incorporated when you're looking at your overall financial plan
3: definitely it's it's funny cuz you know i i brought up the scenario of when clients come in with this goal of education funding and when a lot of other goals are brought to our attention typically there's a maybe a couple of viable paths we might want to pursue and there's pros and cons with education funding this this really is 99% of the time the way to go you know mm-hmm. if it's a kind of a traditional situation so to your point it's it's just it makes a lot of sense the tool's flexible so there's a number of reasons that it works you know as designed and really well for people with this objective for their kids.
2: Absolutely. Now you mentioned how there's an escape hatch, if you will, if your child does get a scholarship or, you know, a full ride or things like that. What about, can you talk, maybe give us an overview of does it impact financial aid? How is that considered?
3: Absolutely. Yeah. So this is a complicated question in in a couple, for a couple of reasons, mostly because it's, it's actually a changing rule. So currently there's Um, a difference between who owns the 529 and how that impacts financial aid. So, you know, if you have a grandparent owned 529 account that has a different impact on how the financial aid package is calculated for a student than if it's a parent owned 529 account, that's one of the rules that's changing in 2024. So if that affects you, you know, you'd want to talk to your advisor about what the new rules are and how to best plan around that. So um, and then with the more more traditional situation, which is parent-owned 529 accounts, it does have an impact, but it's pretty minor. You know, So what we often say to clients is that the benefits of funding a 529, doing the savings early, getting that tax-free growth far outweighs the slight discount you might get on a financial aid package. So it's roughly 5% of the account value that can you know, negatively impact that would the be FAFSA. Yeah,
2: that would be counted as an asset that could potentially reduce C- correct. aid. Exactly. Okay.
3: So it's not you know excluded, but it's it's not such a large component of the calculation where it would be you know not worth funding a five twenty nine. Right. Yeah,
2: it's pretty minimal impact. Correct. When it does. Correct. It, and it's
3: becoming these. The, the changes in the rules is actually becoming more favorable for Imagine these that. grandparent 529s. <laughs> yeah, that's a little unusual. Typically it typically goes in the other direction, right? but it'll become slightly simpler and then also you know, better for grandparents to be funding education accounts.
2: That's great. Well, we've talked a little bit about funding. You've talked about some of the tax benefits. Are there any limits? Like, could I just decide I want to fund you know, a hundred thousand dollars to, you know, my friend's child's five twenty-nine plan? <laughs> yep, great question. So um,
3: yes, there are limits. Okay. But again, there's been some rules created to try to increase flexibility specifically for for education funding. So in general with gifting. Okay. So this is including 529s, but also just in general, each person, the current limit is each person can give sixteen thousand dollars a calendar year, tax year, to another person without needing to file any sort of, you know, reporting or gift tax returns.
2: Do the, does it have to be related to them, or could you? Could I write a check to you for sixteen thousand?
3: You can, <laughs> and I encourage you to do that if you feel so And you inclined. wouldn't say no, <laughs> exactly. So, right, it's not. It's not a a related issue. It's a person to
2: person okay issue.
3: And that's again a married couple, that's two separate people who can make two separate gifts and they can make the gift to the same person. So, in the case of a 529, the limit, if you're a single person, is, you know, 16,000 a year. However, there is a rule that allows people to basically contribute five years of gifts, so 16,000 times five all at once. To kind of do the contributions earlier so oh
2: interesting
3: a lot of times we'll see this with grandparents again who are you know later in life have built up you know their retirement assets to the point where they have some excess and want to help with college funding so they with just extra you know assets on the side they might decide to do the you know each of them can give sixteen thousand times 5 all up front and and the real benefit to doing that if you have the flexibility is that you just get additional years of investment tax-free growth. So there is that benefit to doing it earlier if you have the flexibility
2: to do it. Absolutely, and I know we've talked to clients too as part of an estate plan, 529s whether it's for parents or the grandparents as you just shared, because that's another level level or layer of flexibility where even if you are the owner of the account, it's out of your taxable estate.
3: Exactly. So for clients that have a federally or an, you know a taxable estate at the state level and are trying to find ways that they're excited about lowering their <laughs> estate, you, know, this might be a good choice because to Nicole's point, it's, it's a little bit unusual in that they maintain ownership of the account and, and some control in ways that you know you could always change the beneficiary. You know you can control what you're willing to help with, et cetera, but it is outside of your estate. so it's a, it's another good estate planning technique if you're um, looking to minimize your taxable estate,
2: yeah, absolutely. and i I do think or we find it definitely with our clients that education is usually a core value they share. And um we've seen a lot of our parents and grandparents who really enjoy being to help take that pressure off the next generation exactly. Yep. So great. Awesome. Well, why don't we talk a little bit about the you've mentioned investing. So it makes sense if if you have a, a newborn baby, you've got probably 18 years till you might be touching the funds if they're for post-high school expenses. So it sounds like you know it's not going to be putting in like a money market or a CD. How does that work? I mean, can I can I buy crypto in my 529? <laughs>
3: I'm not I don't I've never seen crypto as an approved investment selection but maybe you know I shouldn't
2: say never <laughs> never say never never say never
3: but <laughs> yep exactly so just like all investing you know this is a conversation around what's your time horizon what's your risk appetite you know so when we consult with you gave a good example right young parents they've got a 6 month old right And they're wanting to start contributing to a 529 account. You know, we have a 18 to 22 year time horizon that we can work with from an investment perspective, and so we're much more comfortable recommending a more growth oriented portfolio. One thing that um, works well for a lot of clients, especially if you're looking for, you know, if you don't want to be building portfolios yourself, they have what they call age based models. Uh, you might be familiar with a similar concept within your 401k's
2: at work which are called target date funds. Oh yes, or sometimes like a life cycle fund. Exactly, yeah, right. okay. exactly.
3: So it's a similar concept. The difference here is that you're not timing your retirement your investments for retirement, you're timing them for college or you know, education funding. So what, what yeah, basically, so, yeah, go ahead. Uh,
2: well, I didn't say, right. So with the age-based, right? I know it's kind of a nice, like you're on a glide path. And so as the child gets older, closer to where you would potentially be making a withdrawal, then it becomes more conservative, correct?
3: Exactly. And, and the nice thing that um, for people who want to do this, but don't want to spend a ton of time working on it, those that glide path is happening organically. You know, You don't need to go in every year and remember to change the allocation to be slightly you know more conservative given the time horizon so it's a simple solution and it's a diversified portfolio within those age based funds that are available on you know, most all of these 529 platforms.
2: That's great too. And I know, you know, as we're sitting here together today in our studio, you know, the markets are, they've been very volatile and they are still down year to date. So um, would you agree that would take some of the pressure off? Let's just say your child, you know, you just had to write the first tuition check maybe within the last few weeks or so, right? So
3: yeah, exactly. Exactly. So this is a tr- this this statement's true, right? When you're an investor, not just education investing, but having a strategy like this, I think is a little bit emotionally easier for people. You know, you know that it's a long term and it's the the allocation that's set up based on your child's age is appropriate. So during a down market, right? If you have an eight year old, our recommendation would be
2: invest more. Invest more.
3: <laughs> don't don't sell, you know, stay the course. Um, this was the plan. But um, you do bring up a good point. One of the restrictions, I would say, with age-based investing or these target date funds, or mm-hmm. whatever you want to call it, as you get closer to using the funds, the the challenge that we've, you know, we've seen a couple of um, clients face, especially right now in a down market, is that if you need to draw from the portfolio although these age based funds are pretty conservative by the time that you need the money or your kids are starting college sure they still have some exposure to the market and so when they go to sell from the age based fund you can't be selective around only selling from the you know bond investments or the maybe there's some money market or cash in the within the age based fund okay. you have to sell across the whole fund and so As as you get closer to college, our recommendation is to actually veer away from these age-based funds, or at least veer some of the dollars away, so that it's in a more liquid, easily accessible investment that you know won't be down. You know, a year from now, the value won't be
2: fluctuating. May not fluctuate up, but it's going to be there for when you need to write the check.
3: Exactly. So. It's it's a little bit of a nuanced strategy mm-hmm. as you get closer to college, and again, you know, talk with your advisors about that. But it is something that I think people are becoming more and more aware of as these tuition checks are due, and they go to look at their account statement. You know, when they looked at it this time last year, it was it was humming along, and there was no issues with, sure. with the age based approach. So that's a good approach until maybe age sixteen, and then we'd recommend reevaluating. Um,
2: That's great. Yeah. So one of the things, I mean, this isn't 529 specific, but it's certainly related to the topic. You know, I know one of the things we talk about when we're meeting with our clients who have education goals that they want to fund is... Uh, how do you even, I know I've uh, found oftentimes when clients are in, this might be the first time that as a couple, they're even sharing their views, their personal experience, and then how they want it to be the same or different for the next generation.
3: Absolutely. So thanks for bringing this up because, you know, I I talked a lot about, like the the once we've decided what we're going to do, right? How do you right. open an account? What's and, the solution and, or exactly. the
2: tool we want to use?
3: Exactly. But the first step really is, you know, sitting down with a, a person or a couple or a family and and talking about, you know, what are your goals around education? And and that can be, you know, asking yourselves the questions about, you know, did your parents pay for college? How important is it for you to pay for your kids' college? do you do you care about paying for the full amount does that do you want them
2: to have skin in the game
3: exactly do you are you comfortable paying for us you know in-state tuition or are you comfortable sending your kids you know to harvard so when we talk to clients about education planning it's a it can mean a lot of different things and so the first step is to understand what we're solving for you know or try to get some consensus between a couple even if they might have slightly different views of at least the starting point of what we're solving for and then we can you know help figure out what is a reasonable amount to try to save each year to to get to meet those goals but the reality is you know when you are have a young family and you've got multiple kids and college is very expensive often what we're working with clients to do is to figure out how to balance the goals of education with also the goals of you know funding retirement and you know saving up to buy the house that's in the school district that you want to be in and,
2: and just living life in general. Exactly.
3: Exactly. <laughs> so we recognize very much that this isn't a, you know, everyone just throw 20 grand a year into your 529 and it'll all work out. Because <laughs> if it was just that easy, we probably wouldn't have <laughs> as many clients. But it's an important topic for so many of our clients. But you know, it's also a, a an approach that Changes over time as your family dynamics change and as your income changes and your flexibility to help with things like education change. So,
2: yeah, along with just, you know, it's kind of hard to look at your six month old baby and say, <laughs> Hey, little Susie here is going to Harvard all the way, right? You don't, you don't know what little Susie, what's she going to be good at? What's she going to be interested in? Ex- and
3: exactly. So, so yeah. it's, you know, like all things, it's a balancing act. We certainly feel like this is a really good tool to solve for. The goal of, of education funding, but it's again, you know, a process to really figure out what's the appropriate amount you want to contribute. You know, do you have other fam- family members that are hoping to contribute? And, right. you know, you don't want, you know, the, it would be a good problem to have, I guess, but if everyone put in the max each year, you know, Susie would have <laughs> too much money. And, you know, are there better ways to, to direct that? So, like all. Things. This is a conversation, and you need to kind of keep checking in on it and make sure that we're we're all moving at least towards this similar target. And
2: yeah, well, I like that you said too. It's you know all of us have competing priorities, right? We all have more, more, usually more than one goal at one point in our life, and it's competing priorities. And just like we have a limit on the amount of time we have. I mean, generally speaking, there's going to be a limit on your income. You know, I mean, you can only work so many hours or work so hard and things like that. But um, I really love how you shared that we use it. It's a piece of the financial puzzle. And we need to put all those pieces together when you're sitting down with your clients to say, what's, uh, where are you today? How do we put those pieces together and just keep you on the path of moving towards where you're trying to go? Absolutely. Absolutely. So one of the things um that jogged my memory when you were talking is um you mentioned you talked about some qualified expenses and the flexibility can you you know and you were pre med originally <laughs> so let's say you didn't you know come join our wonderful world of finance and you stayed uh, stayed on that path can you, if it, let's just say, maybe you got scholarships or there were funds left over after you're done with undergrad, can you use the funds for med school, law school? Yes. Okay. Yep.
3: So, five twenty nine funds can be used for you know post secondary education, whether it's a master's program, med school, you name it. So it's okay. I would say when you you know we have this thing, clients ask us all different things. Does this qualify? Does this qualify? I would say 90% of the time, the things that, you know, would qualify or you'd think might qualify, do qualify. So as long as it's pursuing, you know, education, and again, it doesn't need to be acad- academia. It could be you a know, trade a, school. Yeah, You could become a pastry school. chef. School. Exactly. Yes. You I love we be, both
2: go to food. Yeah.
3: <laughs> <laughs> so it's very flexible. I'm trying to think of a good example of something that would not be covered.
2: I can think of one if you'd like a hand. So common one I get because so many kids go to school out of state, airfare to and from. And that is not a qualified expense. Yep. So I I was
3: going to say a car. Like if a kid needs a car at school, that doesn't count.
2: Right. So that's a common one we get. But I know like if they need a computer or lab fees or things like that, anything that's required with their degree or major. Correct. Yeah. Could you, um, and I know we'll keep this high level because um, I know you and I are often saying like, it depends, or let's call your tax advisor because things really are dependent on your individual situation. And as you mentioned, what state do you live in? But there was a change in the law recently regarding you can use funds for private K through 12, so before college um, expenses. Yes. So
3: that was a, a change in the last, I think, you know, five or six years that in addition to college and trade school, post-secondary education expenses, you could also use $529 for kindergarten through 12th grade. There is a limit on how much you can use a year so it's currently $10,000. Okay. So it's not as flexible as college, you know, expenses would be or other post secondary education. And then it is it was a federal rule that was changed that allowed for this and then okay. each state had to also go mm. through it and adopt it and create their own kind of specific rules around it. So that's why to your point we're we won't go into all the details on the state level but as we mentioned earlier 529s do have some different rules at the state level and this is another one of those so talk to your advisor it's certainly an option in most states to to use 529 dollars for you know K through
2: 12 private private education, education expenses okay great yeah. Awesome. I think we've covered a lot of the topics or the things that you talk to clients with when they're planning for education. Is there anything you wanted to either share with our audience or make sure that we covered on this very important topic?
3: No, I think um, we talked about it earlier, but you know, stay the course, even if the 529 accounts are down, just be aware of your strategy and you know, make sure you understand what your strategy is. If you don't understand your strategy, talk to an advisor because yeah. our goal with clients especially during more turbulent markets is just to feel really comfortable that they know what the long-term plan is and education planning is certainly, you know, a longer-term planning item. So,
2: it absolutely is. I want to thank you for your time and sharing your wisdom and knowledge with all of our listeners. I have to say every time we're talking about this, I am always grateful that this is not a goal on my plane. <laughs> but um, who knows? Friends, kids and stuff may benefit from it. Before we wrap up, there's a question I ask all of my guests. And it is, if you could live anywhere, in, like no time constraints, no money, you know, doesn't matter, work, things like that, where would you live and why?
3: I think I would say I would move to London. Oh. It's kind of a practical answer, I guess. And that, um, you speak certain, the language. I see, well, yeah, that's, I speak <laughs> the language. My husband is a, he has British citizenship. So that would be, oh. this is possible. And then love it. we love to travel and I would love to be able to access the, you know, diverse, places all over Europe to, to within a quicker flight. So
2: Yeah, that would be a much easier for much more fun weekend getaway. Exactly. Right? I know. We're
3: we're we're still at the age of attempting like four day weekends Oof. in Europe, but it's it's getting uh you have more <laughs>
2: energy than me, friend.
3: <laughs> it's dwindling. So I don't know how many how many more we have of those left in us. But um yeah, I would say London. And I, I
2: studied abroad in London. So it's it holds what a, I thought I was holds
3: a special place in in my heart.
2: Oh, that's great. Thanks for sharing. We appreciate that. Well, great. Well, again, to our audience, if you have any, you know, want to have an additional conversation or talk about your specific situation or connect with Colleen or I to talk about anything from your financial planning needs, please feel free to reach out to us. You can call at 312 831 4370 and Sue or Lorena can connect you with one of us. Or if you go to our website, at www.myprivatevista.com and in the upper right hand corner there's a contact us button and again you can reference this podcast and we'll get you in touch with colleen to continue the conversation thanks so much for having me
3: this was a lot of fun
1: colleen and nicole this has been fantastic colleen thank you so much for coming on the show 529 plans. It's a big, big deal. Nicole, I think you and I need to talk off air about the 625 plan. I'm not not sure if you're familiar with that, but you mentioned that you wouldn't mind giving $100,000 to a friend's child, a friend's grandchild, and I did the math on that $16,000 rule, and it takes (laughs) 6.25 years. So that's the 625 plan now. I'm just going to introduce that to you in the audience. We'll talk later about that. Anywho. Thank you so much for facilitating this show. It was fantastic. And of course, our last thank you is for you listening audience. Thank you so much for tuning in and listening to the dollars and cents podcast with Nicole Romito. If you have not subscribed to the podcast yet, please click the subscribe now button below. This way, when Nicole comes out with a new podcast, it'll show up directly on your listening device. And we humbly ask that you share this podcast, rate it, and leave a review as this actually helps others find the show. Again, thank you so much for listening today. For everyone at Private Vista, this is Eric Johnson reminding you to live your best day every day. And we'll see you next time.
0: Thank you for listening to the dollars and cents creating your fulfilled life with Nicole Romito sponsored by Private Vista. Visit our website at www.myprivatevista.com or give us a call at 312-831-4370. And don't forget to click the follow button to be notified when new episodes become available. Private Vista is a group comprised of investment professionals registered with Hightower Advisors, LLC, an SEC-registered investment advisor. Advisory services are offered through Hightower Advisors, LLC. This is not an offer to buy or sell securities. No investment process is free of risk, and there is no guarantee that the investment process or the investment opportunities referenced herein will be profitable. Past performance is neither indicative nor a guarantee of future results. The investment opportunities referenced herein may not be suitable for all investors. All data or other information referenced herein is from sources believed to be reliable. Any opinions, news, research, analyses, prices, or other data or information contained in this presentation is provided as general market commentary and does not constitute investment advice. Private Vista and Hightower Advisors, LLC, Or any of its affiliates make no representations or warranties expressed or implied as to the accuracy or completeness of the information or for statements or errors or omissions, or results obtained from the use of this information. Private Vista and High Tower Advisors LLC assume no liability for action made or taken in reliance on or relating in any way to this information. The information is provided as of the date referenced. Such data and other information are subject to changes without notice. This was created for informational purposes only. The opinions expressed herein are solely those of the authors and do not represent those of Hightower Advisors LLC or any of its affiliates.